Hi, I'm Jason. I'm John. And I'm Marquis. And this is Just Just Getting Getting By. A free talk forum about the creative process and the wounds that hold us back from achieving our goals. Each week, building a roadmap through dialogue with working and struggling artists about how to better manifest a successful show business career. Hi everyone, it's John. This week we spoke with Tom O'Neill. I knew Tom when we both transferred into the experimental theater wing at NYU. We were collaborators and good friends, but life took us down separate paths, so it was especially enriching to catch up with him at our home in Staten Island. Like many NYC-based actors, Tom has spent years balancing a day job in between landing television roles on Boardwalk Empire, Blacklist, Mindhunter, and CBS's FBI. He walked us through his early method of establishing relationships with casting directors to open doors early on in his career. We talked about drugs and drinking and the changes he's needed to make in order to grow into a healthy performer, friend, and partner. Tom broke apart the mythologies we believe about ourselves and where we fit in. He's often cast as the straight man, but he's got a profound sense of humor that we can't wait to see what he does with. This is our interview with Tom O'Neill. Okay. When was the last time somebody asked you to talk about yourself, Tom? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. You know, I come from a Catholic family, so nobody really asked me to talk about myself. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I can't really recall. (laughs) Why did you come out here to talk to us today? Uh, I think, truth be told, uh, I was initially lined up to do a short film, and then they uh, called me at the last minute and told me, Last week, they called and told me that I wasn't going to do it. It was supposed to shoot Saturday and Sunday. Oh. And then this mm. popped up, and I was like, oh, this is a great way to compensate you know, my creative energy. So now I try to do something once a week you know, mm-hmm. that right. feeds so. my acting craft, artist craft. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. This, you know I, self-promotion is not my thing. That's okay. Um, you don't need to promote yourself. We just need you to be brutally honest well, about I'll everything. Well, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty honest. I can't lie. No? Um, no. I'm a terrible one. What was the last lie you told? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere in the past 20 minutes, probably, I've lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't recall. Uh, so wait, Tip O'Neill is or is not he your is, relative? He, he, was a, he was my grandfather. He's, uh, he's passed, but uh, yeah, that was my grandfather. And you're, you come from where? I come from downtown Boston. Um, and You don't have an accent. Nope. They beat that out of me my freshman year of acting school. Oh, oh you had one? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Did you have one? No, because my parents are from the Midwest. Oh, thank so, God. So, yeah. But that Arlington <laughs> accent is <laughs> thick, too. I know. And my dad grew up in North Cambridge, which is, like, right on the I And I had friends border. who had it, and then when we'd hang out and get fucked up, they would, like, purposefully oh, yeah. exaggerate it and, like, make, try to make Boston. fun of people who yeah. have it. I had a friend at a funeral that I went to, like several years ago come up to me he's still in Boston and he, at the time I had a goatee and he came up to me at the funeral and he goes do yourself a favor shave that fucking goatee and get a Boston accent <laughs> <laughs> alright that's some really sage advice because that's like you and more like me <laughs> so you, you, I, that's what I hate about certain cultures that stay the same and limit self-expression and differences between people. Yeah. Like by him saying, shave your goatee and get a Boston accent, yeah. saying become more like me right. because as you are now, you're an outsider and that's threatening to totally. me. I'm scared <laughs> of that. And that like is toxic masculinity yeah, to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it was something that he was uncomfortable with right. at the time. You know, I didn't really like to go. It's like, what are you, a homo? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but I also think that, you know, it's funny that we're talking about this because I, I, I have a mustache. I keep a mustache. And I find that most of the time in New York, I'm not exposed to this. But as soon as I leave, every man, straight cis man, has to fucking comment on my mustache. They like, all, what do they say? Whoa, nice mustache. Or like, must you know, like, I'll be at a restaurant. Of it? I'll, they just have to mention it. Right. And it's, it's like, wild. this is on your face and this is what I'm and, noticing. And I feel like it's because they can't do it. 
like I have a very I'm a swarthy Middle Eastern you know Middle Eastern descent man and I have a lot of facial hair but I don't like do this for any ironic way I just don't have an upper lip (laughs) 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 it looks pretty good you know and my manager you know four years five years ago thought it looked good and that's how I go out is with my mustache and I I don't really know that I'm out of New York until somebody fucking mentions my mustache and I'm like oh my god I'm in Montauk or (laughs) I went to Montauk for a wedding on Thursday which was uh, brutal. I had a tick this morning that my oh. partner had to extract from my ankle. Oh, like, it wasn't like your arm wasn't shaking. It was a, no, I no, like I, a, a tick. It's like a Lyme disease, disease carrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you mean like a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a Seinfeld tick? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, but that thing of commenting on another man's well, the choice people. the other man makes about his appearance comes from this like thing we're taught, which is to not make yourself look desirable like to not be a sexual object or like we're to be in, yeah we're taught to be ashamed it's like this puritanical especially up in boston there's like this residuals true. of puritanism where it's like oh fashion is no That's and true. you're taught to embarrass other men who do it yeah. and to feel embarrassed if you were to do it and it's like i fucking hate it that's why i knew that I never wanted to live in Boston by the time I was like 15 16 I was like oh this place no I mean I think there are certain pockets accepting creative areas in Boston that I yeah. actually really have a soft spot for but mm-hmm. I yeah, heard sure, a soft sure, sure, sure. yeah soft Boston no, of course. too sometimes. there's great people you know and I, I adversity creates resilience and creates like you yeah. know people have their subcultures but sometimes I often think that life would be simpler if I were to move back there yeah but maybe that's why I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What brought you here and made you pursue acting? Uh, well, I kind of knew that I wanted to be an actor from a young age. I was always kind of performing for everyone. I, my, my family often hosted a lot of people. We had people in and out of the house all the time. Mm-hmm. What did your parents do? And I was the youngest. Uh, my mom uh, is a long-term, uh, long-time administrator at a university in okay. Massachusetts. And uh, my dad was in politics himself and then uh, went into the private sector and uh, started doing PR. Okay. Yeah. So they would host parties. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. And, you know, coming from a um, political family, you know, we had a, we had a lot of, um, we had a crew that was around for holidays and weekends and birthdays. And so being the youngest, even of my cousins and everyone, I, I had to compete or felt I needed to compete for attention. Um, and did that by entertaining and mimicking movies and yeah so uh my family often would be like there was this old adage would be like oh you're either gonna be a criminal or an actor you know and i'd be uh-huh. like okay well maybe i'll be an actor so i can be a criminal you know <laughs> i don't know um yeah so that's really how it went and i started you know i was very supported by my family um and since you know during summers i would go to acting camps and schools um a few summers and then uh, i found a program in london uh when i was a junior in high school and studied abroad there uh, it was called the british american drama academy and that really put me in touch with classical work and vocal training and physical training and you know i started approaching it as a, as a true craft mm-hmm. and then you know i, I applied to NYU Tisch, it was my first choice. Um, was Adler your first choice studio? You know, at the time, at, at, like before I went into my audition, um, it wasn't. Meisner was my choice, mm-hmm. just because I think it was so different. Um, just the way I read about it and the, what I had perceived in my own, my own mind, the, the theory of repetition, like it just seemed so foreign. I was like, there's, there's got to be something there. Mm-hmm. And I went into my audition and the auditioner was like, nope, you're going to Adler. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what that means. And then as soon as I read her book, I was like, yeah, this seems exactly why I'm doing it. Hmm. So why don't I, you know, go in with open arms. And Adler offered me an amazing foundation of approach towards classical work and vocal training and, uh, you know, movement. I mean, it took two years of ballet. I got really in touch with my body and my core. I never really never thought that I would be interested in dance. And, uh, by the time I was at ETW, I was, you know, it was my favorite class it was, um, contemporary movement and God, my, I'm blanking on my teacher's name now, but he actually lives down in Dimness. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? Young guy. Um, he may have been like six years older than us. 
was it Miguel? Yeah, uh, Gutierrez. Yeah, Miguel oh, yeah. Gutierrez. Yeah, um, and he was really uh, pivotal for me because he came in the first class and he was, you know, fashionable and cool, and he had, you know, uh, afternoon, uh, you know, uh, facial hair. Uh, he had, you know, he was like not a professor, and he had like a, a fun malohawk of some sort. <laughs> and he looked at it all us, all of us, and he was like, "I want you to do what you think I'm doing. Don't do what I'm doing. Do what you see." And I was like, oh, okay. And then I, we, within a matter of five, seven minutes, we choreographed a piece and it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's very empowering for me. So are you still in touch with him? I saw him like three weeks ago and I stopped him on the street and told him he was, you know, one of the best teachers I ever had. Um, wow. that nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He's a cool guy. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. I think he's in touch with a lot of alum. Actually. Yeah. He, he was um, ca- he would cast alum uh, in his own downtown theater pieces. You know, yeah. he, he does um, mixed choreography, experimental theater. Um, he's, he's a name. Yeah, the last and thing I, I had heard about him is that for like a New Year's show, he danced for twenty four hours straight. Yeah, oh. some, wow. Some, and I think it was That's ambitious. Had, like, like fifteen other international cities or something, and there were like also dancers in those cities. Cool. Uh, telecasting, you know, their movement pieces, which is fucking awesome. So you yeah. graduate NYU. Wow. How yeah. the hell do you get on TV? I mean, I've always wondered that. I uh, never yeah, had wait, but, but also, do you feel that NYU prepared you to get a job, like to be in the industry? Answer his first. Um, <laughs> like, so here we are, you're focusing on this contemporary movement, like where, well, how I does mean, your mental state shift to be like, okay, find a job, like send out resumes. I stuff. felt like right out, uh, yeah, I mean, I took an elective um, that was not, nobody required it of me, nobody asked me to take it, but I took an elective with a casting director my senior year, oh. and I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I played my cards right and stayed connected with her, um, actually Heather and I both did, Heather Pasternak. And we would meet with her, you know, every month. And I ended up doing a lot of readings for her. And we actually, I was like a casting assistant on a few projects that actually, you know, actually got made. I think. Um, cool. What is that? Uh, you know, I'm blanking. I don't know. This is a long time ago. So I, I was in the room with her for a little bit, learned the process of auditioning. Uh, she sent me out for a comedy with Will Ferrell, like my last week of college. And I was, I sweat through my shirt. And it was for her. And I was so nervous. So to answer your question, yes and no. I don't think it really, you know, I don't think any teachers prepped me. Yeah. I think... um, That elective. I think at the time that I was graduating, there was some criticism that the kids felt like they weren't, the students felt like they weren't being prepared. So maybe the administration did bring in, her name was Jody Collins, the casting um, director. So maybe they brought her in, you know, specifically to kind of you know, tame the, the, um, criticism, but, um, yeah. So, uh, no, also I I don't, I feel like, uh, especially with ETW, I felt in, in competition with some of my faculty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was, I've always looked older. Um, and I felt like a lot of the, the advice I get from acting teachers was, Oh, you're going to work when you're older, which I always felt was like, what it like, I don't know. I felt like it was a compliment, but also a snub and also kind of putting me in my place and telling me to kind of like back off from the industry for a little bit. And, you know, honestly, I I didn't, it was really, it is still difficult and it's always going to be difficult. I'm not like, uh, I'm not a leading man. Um, I'm more of kind of a niche like character actor that this kind of needs a specific type of role. I think I'm good in like period pieces, but there aren't a lot of period projects at all times. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I have to get creative. Do you really think your talent is limited to period pieces? Uh, no, I don't think that. I think, you know, I'd be happy to try to tackle anything that's offered to me, but um, it's a matter of... Where do you think that comes from? Do you think out? it's part of your training? It's just something intrinsic in your personality? Is it the way you look? Like, what is it? Well, I think I've siloed myself, too. It's like, I don't... I hate musicals like I would Mm -hmm. never go out for a musical even though I think that I have the capability to be trained to sing a specific way but I would not it doesn't interest me Um, there's certain projects you know that I've reluctantly said no to Um, I never really think you should say no but then like someone told me a while ago like you know sometimes the next step to the next stepping stone is to say no like that's somebody said what was the it was like 
sometimes the key to the next level is no. And I was like, whoa, that's, that made me feel good about saying no to that last project. Um, so I don't know. I think, um, and also like, it doesn't matter, you know, like we always kind of build this shit up to really, really matter. And, um, you taking one job is not going to hinder you from getting the next job. I don't think Mm -hmm. if anything, it will only help you. Um, that being said, doing a really big project is not going to get you, you know, work necessarily. Right. Um, so then to circle back to what Jason was asking, how did you end up in some of those bigger roles? There was a, Ah, man, I don't even know if I call them big roles, you know, I've been really lucky. Um, mm-hmm. but I've, you know, I've never walked off a project being like, Oh, I'm so content. I've made it. I've that always was it. felt like, Oh, I've, I just want, I, if I could do one more take, if I could have one more scene, if I could have one more line or, you know, like I'm never content with what I do, but, um, thank you for saying that. That's a big compliment. Um, I, you know, how did I do it? I, someone told me go after casting directors. So I wrote handwritten letters for a really long time. Do you have good handwriting? I do. You know, I was uh, more of a visual artist in high school and hung out with like a lot of graffiti writers and really took pride in my penmanship. And my parents made me write thank you letters when I stayed over at friends' houses. Wow. Yeah, the handwritten letter. And I'm a, I'm a total Luddite, too. I hate computers, <laughs> uh, which is really, you know, a hindrance, I think, in this career, too. Um, but I kind of just made it work for me. I wrote a lot of handwritten letters, and I got a response one day from Meredith Tucker, um, who has since been so good to me. Um, she helped me get my first agent. Uh, she's continued to call me in. She's a name that's helped me with, um, you know, getting a manager and, um, yeah, I mean, she essentially got me my first job, which was Boardwalk Empire that ended up being a five episode run. And it was like the, you know, I was 24. Um, I hadn't worked professionally. I hadn't been on a, um, a TV, um, set at all. And it was one of the best TV shows of its time. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't personally really love where the show went but uh <laughs> i i had watched the first season i was obsessed with it and i was like I, I i said to my sister um one christmas after season one of boardwalk emperor i'm going to be on season two that's what i said to her and i got on it wow. was it season two you were on? yeah okay manifestation right so come to the yeah. universe and I, I believe in that manifestation yeah. and i don't practice it enough still how um, when you when you do practice it how do you how is that Look, it's, it's a combination of um, knowing and praying, mm. I think. Um, you you, know, you pray- believe in God? Uh, that's an interesting question. Growing up Catholic? Oh, man. Uh, I do not believe in a Catholic God, no. no. Um, <laughs> I believe in a, in a universe. I believe in um, paying respect to the universe and respecting the universe. And I think the universe manifests in everything. It can manifest in a piece of trash on the ground to a person crossing the street to, you know, someone who is completely marginalized to someone who's completely um, not marginalized and lucky. I think uh, you got to be nice to people and hopefully it will come back your way. And sometimes it doesn't. Most times it doesn't. Right. And sometimes I feel like one thing about the universe and how things work is the energy that we put out there. We might think that we're not receiving it back at times, but sometimes we have to like take a step back and like look at what is actually going on in our lives. And if we have been blessed by the universe in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I mean, I think breathing air is a, is a blessing. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like having uh, my sinuses infected by pollen is a blessing. (laughs) Even mm-hmm. though it's uncomfortable, it's like I'm I'm here, you know, and I I forget that all the time. Uh, but uh, when you ask me on a microphone, I, for <laughs> some reason it, it manifests um, with that answer. Sure. Yeah. Um, how has your social life impacted your work over the years? Yeah. Um, what does that been... mean? Friends or drugs or all Ooh. of it? Um, oh. 
you know, I don't. I've never really hung out with actors, um, which I always thought was like very cool of me, but it actually is probably very stupid of me. Um, I've hung out with people that kind of don't sympathize with what I do. I felt mm. um, don't do what I do, um, but I think that also makes me a more rounded person. Um, I, I was, you know, in college, I was kind of afraid of the actors. I, I thought they were loud and, um, you know, very self-obsessed. <laughs> um, but in, in actuality, I was loud and self-obsessed, but I was mm. afraid of that and kind of running away from it. Mm. So, you know, I, I hung out with like uh, the cool, you know, the trend people who I thought were cooler than me, which was a, a lesson that Lisa Sokoloff told us. Wow. Uh, she was like, make sure to hang out with people that are cooler than you, mm. that you think are cooler than you. And, you know, I don't know that I uh, took her advice to the hilt. I think I had my own interpretation of it. But, um, yeah, so, you know, that that was in college. And then out of college, I, um, yeah, I, I have a, a close-knit of friends from Boston that moved to New York when I graduated. Um, so I was hanging out with them and, you know, a career bartender, so that introduced me to a lot of people, but I was always wary of actors, um, probably because I felt like I would be competing with them on some level. Um, there was some of that in college, you know, like I, I felt like the, the cis straight men in college hung out with me who were actors, you know, and like, then we left college and it was like, Ooh, like the, the record kind of scratched and it was like, Whoa, like, are we all going out for the same fucking thing? <laughs> Yes. Um, and the answer is, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were, even though I never saw myself as those types. Yeah. But we really were. Probably because we were the same age and mm-hmm. trained similarly and yada, yada, yada. Um, so, yeah, I don't, uh, that doesn't really answer your question. Uh, it does. It doesn't? It does, yeah. yeah. You have mentioned yeah. drugs. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think experimenting is really important, especially as uh, an artist. For me, you know, I, I felt like I needed to see things differently, um, and somehow that would influence me creatively. Um, I don't really do drugs anymore. I don't drink anymore. Um, my diet and, and wellness and uh, practice of exercise, yoga, and biking takes up most of my life, which is uh, uh, annoying but uh, feels good. <laughs> so I continue doing it. You know, I, I, I think a lot of this work has to do with getting comfortable with not knowing and not having control mm-hmm. over any of it. And I think the things that help me cope with that are feeling good about my body and my soul, yeah. you know? Um, and you know, like I'm, I'm, I, I try to be ready, you know? Do you, are you still taking acting classes? Yeah, I, I dabble with that. Currently, I'm not. Uh, I'm teaching acting. Nice. Um, so that helps me. It keeps me oils. What kind? Uh, I teach on three different grants through Stella Adler um, Outreach, and I teach on Rikers Island. I teach three different populations on Rikers. Wow. So I teach, uh, I teach a movement and acting class, and then I teach two playwriting classes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, which has been, I've been doing it for two years and it's been, uh, very, very special and, uh, monumental for me. Uh, and it's, and it's really helped my craft also. Do you stay in touch with your family? Yeah, I'm very, very in touch with my family. I just came back from, uh, Beirut, Lebanon, which I am of Lebanese descent. Um, my sister and I just went there to celebrate her 40th birthday. Nice. My sister and I are very close. We're eight years, um, apart. And my parents are split, but um, we are all, you know, very close. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What types of roles? Well, let's see. Mm-hmm. If we could manifest like the next step in your career, like oh, what? Wow. Yeah. It's like more TV. Uh, I would more the same type of role. Are you like feel like you, you want to do a comedy? Something else? Yeah. I don't know. I I think I'm. I, I I've never really done a comedy, and I you know. My girlfriend seems to think I'm funny, so <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to put that into practice, maybe. That would be a, a great opportunity. But really, I, w- I would like to do, like, two shows and one movie a year Yeah. in, in an ideal world. Yeah. And uh, I like uh, emotional intensity. I like 
dramas. You know, mm. I, I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trained to do. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm watching the Sopranos again and I, I would love to do something like that. So, or I would love to do something like, um, stranger things or, uh, you know, um, Sne- uh, Peaky Blinders, you know, like a, a period piece of some sorts. Uh, I don't know. I, I would do anything. Uh, and I, I usually have done anything that's been thrown my way, but usually I play an FBI agent. <laughs> oh, I can see that. It's really weird because... Uh, <laughs> of all decades. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I've done a 70s FBI agent. I've done a 1920s FBI agent. Um, currently, I am working with the FBI on an episodic show where I play a medical examiner. Um, so what do you mean working with the FBI? He yeah. means fictionally. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the show, what is the show called? The show, the show is called FBI. Oh right. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I went to high school with the lead of that. Show, Which Zico Zaki? You did. Yeah. Zico's a really great guy. Yeah, I didn't really know him that well. He was a couple years younger, but he's like the he's, claim to fame for my high school. He's right a now. young guy. He's Egyptian American. He's yeah. Muslim, and he's a lead on a primetime Dick Wolf show, which is a big deal. Yeah, yeah that's uh, I was just in Beirut and hanging out with a few Egyptians, and they knew him, and uh, it's cool. a it's a big deal. That's it's a really cool. big deal, and I'm Good proud. I'm proud of him, and I I didn't know him before this, but I've gotten to know him, and he's been nothing but kind to me. So I'm happy for him. Have you been able to... And he works really hard. Yeah. You know, he wakes, he wakes up every day at four o'clock and works out. Wow. You know, he used to be a bigger guy and I can sympathize with that because I used to be a bigger guy and wellness and getting in touch with my body, like, you know, I think helped my career, you know, and this mm-hmm. guy was overweight and he just like went at it and now he, you know, he's regimented and he works and he's no nonsense, but he's a blast, you know? But and my, my hope is that somebody could maybe say that about me one day. I don't know. That I <laughs> we can say hard. it about you today. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah. So that's cool that you know him. Yeah. Um, now, on any of these TV roles you had, were you able um, to step away at any point from your day job? <sighs> that's funny. Uh, almost every job that I have gotten on TV has made me quit my current day job. Yeah. But... I have quickly had to get another day job. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I use it as an excuse to get out of the bar or restaurant that I've been you know, making money at. I haven't done that with a teaching gig um, and don't plan on it. But uh, yeah, I think it's an invitation to kind of like recreate your life. When I, when I uh, was offered the FBI role, they said that it was most likely recurring. So I, I, took, uh, I took a shift off from my current bar. I said no. I'm only going to work one night and, uh, I don't know. That helps me, helps me, um, focus more, not being in a bar. I hate being in a bar. Especially as a non-drinker. Actually, it's better as a (laughs) non-drinker, I have to say. And it it helps me not drink being there once a week. Yeah, I can't stand drunks. I really can't either. And I I feel like alcohol is the worst of them all, you know, of all the barbiturants and substances. It's Uh just like... And it's the most socially accepted. Yeah, I feel like that's why it is the worst because it's, it's so, so socially accepted. So people do the most yeah. with it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just creates messy nights, messy friendships, messy relationships, totally. mess, mess. Totally. <laughs> and it's it's a you know it's um it's an attitude changer. Yeah. You know, and it's mercurial, and there's so many options of different alcohols. You know, I mean, you know, tequila is a stimulant. It's not a barbiturate. And yet it's mixed with other barbiturants. Hmm. And, uh, you know, people are, people are wild, you know, when they drink shots of tequila, you know. Yeah. And, like, in New York, Coke is a, a huge thing when drinking. Um, my bar is a seems to be a den of iniquity when it comes to cocaine. Um, hmm. It's everywhere. I feel like a lot of millennials are... And I... Uh, this is weird, but I, I, I find it very difficult to say that I am a millennial, but mm-hmm. I am a millennial. No, we're right um, in the smack in the middle. But, you know, people who are younger than me um, are doing a lot of coke. I see a lot of it. This is wild. Because I don't miss it. It's I, also no, really bad for you. It's like yeah, I read some and, crazy statistic, like a huge percentage, percentage of strokes that happen under 50 or under 60, whatever the threshold age were. Right. It's like... 90% of those strokes, like those people were Coke users or like heavy Coke users. It's a problematic drug for me. I, I, I find it to be antisocial. I find it to be, you know, it creates paranoia. 
I don't know. I mean, I get it, but I also I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, there's mornings coming down, oh, that's sun the coming like, up, and you're just like, either I want to die or I think I might be dying. Right. right. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a bad person. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and like, I'm never going to do this again, but, you know, I'm going to. Right. right. And it's like you feel like shit in all aspects of yourself, like physically, emotionally, like. Interpersonally. Totally. Interper- right. Yeah. Totally. totally. What's your home life like? Uh, currently, yeah. it's wonderful. Um, it's really, really wonderful. I uh, Two years ago when I started my Rikers uh, gig, uh, my first day of getting off the jump bus from the main gate to the facility I was working at, I saw a young woman who I instantly recognized as my fifth grade crush. Mm. And she what? is a horticultural therapist mm. um, on the island. She manages all the gardens. You knew her in Boston. Talk about serendipity. I hadn't seen her yeah. in 21 years, and uh, we exchanged numbers right then and there, and we've been dating ever since. And now wow. we live together. We have a cat. Oh, my God. She just started a, her own LLC uh, as a horticultural therapist, and I am her laborer, so there's a lot of gardening. Yes. We're members, uh, because of her, uh, I was just indicted to a community garden in the East Village. Mm. Um, so... Gardening some, has that's some status here in New York. It really yeah. is. It, well, yeah, I got a key. <laughs> yeah. And the, the president <laughs> of the, the city. The president of the uh, garden committee looked me in the eye and said, Well, now you're a property owner in New York. And I said, Wow, this is this Which is one? Uh, it's on Ninth Street, um, and C and it's a beautiful garden and we have a plot and uh, I basically just do what I'm told because I'm still very much learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but horticultural therapy is a real thing. Um, you know, I, I began to talk earlier, you know, in that time of not knowing if acting was actually going to be a thing, like out of college to my first job, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was like struggling with a lot of anger, mm. you know, um, which I think it was depression, but it manifested as anger. Mm-hmm. I was quick to be annoyed by things and, um, you know, exercise, meditation and diet have really helped with that. But uh, gardening has really helped with that. I hear that. Um, in the city that's like just riddled with concrete, to be exposed to like the knowledge of what is in a small plant box on a balcony in the middle of Ma- Midtown is like a little secret and uh, really empowering and special. You know, I, I just came back from Beirut and I saw the city completely, you know, it is a. Um, city that was riddled with war, riddled with civil war, riddled with war from outside. Uh, they now have a massive um, refugee immigration crisis. It's a it's a country that's the size of New Jersey, uh, and there's statistically something like 10,000 people coming in every day. Wow. Um, and, you know, there's a lot going on, but it's a, it's a city that celebrates life um, in that every day is valuable. If you can see it, it's palpable. Um, but everybody's got a garden. Everyone. And, you know, uh, being able to go to a foreign city and identifying different types of plants is uh, really, really amazing. Right. You know? And seeing plants that don't grow in this climate um, and seeing, you know, plants that grow in this climate and that climate, you know, and how they thrive differently. I mean, it's, it's, it's special. I think the environment is a really, really powerful thing that we often forget about, especially when we're trying to get the next audition in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, there it is. The Rikers gig. You're working with prisoners? Um, well, so Rikers is a jail. Um, so nobody is technically a prisoner. Okay. Um, they're incarcerated. Uh, I I and my colleagues and Eva and her colleagues refer to them, try to refer to the people there who are incarcerated as participants um, because I am a service provider and I teach, yeah, I teach three different populations. I teach... Young men, um, unsentenced young men um, between the ages of 18 and 21. I teach uh, in THU, which is the only trans unit in the city. Mm. And I teach women of high offense that are waiting sentencing. um, And they are all ages. Working with a trans population is amazing. What have you learned? A lot. As a cisgender white yeah, male, I mean, what have you learned? First and foremost, I did not think that I would be the right candidate to go in and be teaching. But uh, I feel like maybe um, it's become restorative for everyone. Um, 
I think I, I you know, first and foremost, I think I look mean. <laughs> until you smile. Yeah, until I start talking. I, I, don't, yeah. I, think, uh, I think people are disarmed by that. Um, but I, I mean, I've learned so much about the trans population in the city. The, 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 thing, the thing that is very special about that unit is that most of the participants know each other and have known each other for a very long time. Wow. It's a small community. They've been marginalized. So, I mean, they're the most marginalized civilians in the city, I would think. Is and that a playwriting class? Or it's a playwriting class, yeah, and the work that uh, they create is really special. Mm. Um, you know, there are currently three participants that are older that were at Stonewall. Uh, oh, wow. You know, have, have known each other since that week, you know, because of that wow. week. Um, and uh, there's a younger generation also, and there's conflict between the two generations. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not proficient in this, but I'm learning and uh, I think it's important for everyone to, to try to learn. It, do you find that doing this type of creative work um, with those who are incarcerated is cathartic to them? Are they... Is it do, cathartic to them? Do they get to process what landed them there through the work? Do they choose to? Uh, I mean, I, you know, there have been there have been participants who have shared sentiments like that. Sure, they're most often people don't speak um, about that kind of catharsis. But uh, I think the the work that is created there is different than the work from other programs, and I think it's different from what would be going on if we weren't there. Yeah, you know, um, I can answer that you know, safely in that way. Um, I, I, the thing the the work that is created by participants there is really special. Um, and it's brilliant. And I'm currently working with a young man, uh, who's writing a sci-fi about a world where people have, you know, alter ego, um, like spirit animals. And there's like a caste system. Mm. Um, I mean, it's so interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, Harry Potter meets like, uh, I don't, I don't even know, like Pokemon kind of, uh, but on a, you know, new, new level. Like it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen really. And he's writing in an episodic form and he knew exactly how he wanted to do it. Uh, he wanted to do, uh, you know, 29 pages per episode so that there was uh, room for advertisements. I mean, it's like, wow, really meticulous. Um, sometimes it's not that meticulous. Um, but, uh, people who participate are there for a reason, you know? And usually we hone in on that reason and uh, we try to milk it, you know. That must feel really empowering to be able to help. Yeah, to be able to help people pull their stories out and help give them an opportunity to do something while in a place that may not be the ideal place that they want to be at, but kind of give them something to... I mean, put out into the world. Make no mistake. This is a this is a place that uh, you know I, I've been very fortunate not to have to be there. Uh, you know, and it's a terrible place. It's hell on earth. Um, and for me, it there are days that feel really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, there are a lot of days that feel really shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are most days I don't want to go, mm-hmm. and. I don't want to go back, you know, mm-hmm. but then the payoff is that like one day out of every three days, that's like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I've got 12 pages of a script of a working in a common room with a young man who had a TV blaring in his ear and, you know, five other guys, you know, working out next to him, you know, and like he was so concentrated, um, and then there are some days that, you know, people just want to sleep. And, like, it's a it's an honor to be in this space with with these individuals because um, it's their private home mm-hmm. currently, which is sad. Um, but I'm invading their space, and I'm invited, and it's, it's a privilege. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's informed me a lot. Uh, it's informed me about how lucky and how fortunate I've been and how much I owe to the universe, you know. Are you writing now? 
Uh, yeah, I am writing. I'm writing. I'm collaborating with a friend uh, from high school that I hadn't seen in years, who is a writer-director. His name is Jonathan Menard, and we're writing, um, you know, we, we caught up with each other in a hot yoga class, and uh, he was saying, I was saying I wanted to do a short uh, detective story, and he was like, great, let's write it, and it's turned into a science fiction about a private school in Massachusetts. Cool. So uh, it's not a detective story, but it's uh, really special, and Johnny's really uh, taken the wheel on a lot of it, but uh, we designed it for as a piece that I could participate in as an actor. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Use your Boston accent. Uh, no, he's a transplant, <laughs> oh, sure. uh, which I'd be better at, I think. Because uh, I, I did do a project that was set in Boston, and I was not proud of my Boston accent. They brought in a vocal coach for me, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm from here. Yeah, I'm fucking from here. Uh, anyway, yeah, so... <laughs> Wait, there's been some bad Boston accents on TV, though. Yeah, there have been. For yeah, sure. And really movies, yeah. Been. Can you put one on? A Boston accent? Yeah, of course you can. Sort of, but I feel like it's only, like, in joking around. Like, I don't know how I'd be able to, like, how to really just transition into it. Wait, did you go to Arlington High? Yeah, I went to Arlington High. There it is. Yeah. Arlington. <laughs> yeah. Pack the cat. Pack the cat. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I like that, like, when you go really nasal and raspy, like, you've been smoking Newports your whole life. <laughs> Sorry. So, right now, do you have a manager agent? I have a manager who has been incredible to me. Uh, his name is Bernard Bounier. Um, I know other people that have been with him and are still with him and those who are not. But for me, he's been really uh, amazing. He, uh, I met him in a one-on-one class, and he picked me up right off the spot. And I, you know... He's, we booked something within a month of being together, and uh, it's been he's been great. Uh, he's kind, generous, and uh, knows what I want, you know. And we're a team. How do you prepare for an audition? It's different every time. Um, for me, it's uh, the first thing that I really need to do is memorize, um, and I have a I have a weapon to help me. Go on. Uh. It's just the, you know, it's kind of like a key of how to memorize text. How? Um, it's, you know, I learned it from a teacher back in school, and it's, uh, you basically, um, you know, it harks back to I am a contaminator, but, uh, you know, contemporary thought often fits uh, a syllabic rhythm of 10 to 12, just mm. like I am. Um, so you kind of meter it out by the first letter of every word, but still keep punctuation in, and you meter it out in lines. So you're, you know, before that technique, I was learning, um, basically I was, I was trying to take a picture of the script and I would always like harp, oh, well that line is up, you know, towards yeah. the top of the page, like, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're memorizing mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. physical page uh-huh. and that's not, I think, helpful. Mm-hmm. You want to know the words and then you want to own them and make them your own, right? So like, this is an interesting process of taking it from the page to your own note cards mm-hmm. to then embodying and, and having it inside you. That's a fine method. Yeah, I think so. Some, some people it works for. I've, I've taught some homies and they've, you know, said it's work and some people are like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> but I'm, I suck at memorizing. So this really helps me, you know. Is there something that you would do if you couldn't be an actor? Yeah, I would work with my hands. I would have a craft, um, Woodworking, like what? yeah, something like that. Car, you know, I, and I've dabbled in that, but I'm not very good. Um, uh, a musical instrument, you know, piano would be really nice too. But making something, being able to make something daily tangible, mm-hmm. you know, is so important. Um, and actors aren't able to do that. There's know? a similar similar therapy to the horticultural therapy. Yeah, I think so. Getting your hands dirty, mm-hmm. you know, and being, you know, looking at it at the end of the day and being sore and and dirty and and then, I made that and then, and then you see you know you see something living you know you see something right. in the ground or you know you see a shelf or you see a painting mm-hmm. or you see a body of written work or you see a you know uh, uh, you know a recorded session on your computer you know but we don't we have to wait for you know actors have to wait for a, a, a production team a director a right. writer uh, you know it's a collaborative effort um, 
So, you know. But, you know, I, I play around with that need, too. You know, there's, there's different elements of performance. You know, bartending is very much that. You know, I, it, it takes a certain type of prep. It takes a certain type of speed and physicality and mentality, you know. So that's like a character, and that, that helps me one day out of the week, you know. Um, teaching helps me one day out of the week um, because that's, you know, it, there's defi- definitely a mentality that you have to embody going in there, you know, um, of, you know, being neutral and, you know, welcoming, but also guarded and aware. And, um, yeah. So do you audition for commercials and theater as well, or just film and TV? I don't, um, audition for, uh, theater as much as I'd like to, but I, I, Usually my answer to that is because there is less opportunity currently and there's not enough money in yeah. here and it takes more time. But mm-hmm. I would be lying to you if I told you that I didn't want to be on stage. I, mean, I, would. I did a yeah. play uh, in January, however, and uh, it was a great experience, but it was uh, the time commitment was insane. You know, living with a partner who's nine to five and then, you know, being two ships in the night, seven days a week or six days a week, you know, it's yeah. like she coming home and me going in uh-huh. for a three hour play that I then have to unwind from the experience mm-hmm. and then come home and be with her and present. It's difficult. TV is easy for that. You know, it's wham, bam, and you're in and you're out and you don't have it on you anymore. Mm-hmm. But theater, you have to do every day. Right. Um, the whole story. Every right. The day. whole yeah. story. And you know, yeah. I used to think, well, wow, that's like amazing, you know, what? and it is amazing. It's really special, but it's, it's also exhausting mm-hmm. and it's exhausting for people around you who don't do what you do. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's a blessing sometimes that I'm not doing plays and then other times I really crave being on a stage. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I go out for commercial work. I have a commercial agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I get close, but I've never booked a commercial. Mm-hmm. So would you recommend to someone who's just graduating, would you recommend that they also go to casting directors first? Because that was what you did. You wrote mm-hmm. your letters to the casting directors. Or should you go For to the agent? Dir- you go to- I don't... You, oh, wait, who am I talking to? You know, am I talking to me? Sure. Or mm-hmm. am I talking to... I guess because it worked for you. You know, like yeah. a kid who's fit and, you know, like knows exactly what... You know, like... There, there, was, there were kids right out of the paddock that knew exactly what kind of actor they were going to be, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I did not. I kept being told, like, when you're gray, you'll work. Yeah, you know. Crazy. So like, if if I was seeing me, then or if I was seeing me now, um, getting out of college, I would say go travel, go learn a language, go learn another culture. Mm. Don't like this shit doesn't matter right now, mm-hmm. you know. And like the more experience you have, the more likely you are to get the role. Right. You know, I mean it's it's the people with kids, it's the people with fucked up, you know, situations. You know, it's the people um, who have to really work who get the roles. Do you want to have a kid? Yeah. I do. I can't afford a kid. And say, are you afraid that yeah. having a child Petrified. would... would but um, I, then part of me is like, oh, maybe halt. I should have a kid and get more work. Oh. <laughs> you know? It's the opposite perspective that a lot of people have. Yeah, I mean, some uh, teacher told me once or a friend told me, he was like, book, book the plane ticket. Then you'll get the role. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. It's like... You know, book the vacation. <laughs> the universe. Yeah, right. I mean, take I, the break I, from the the rat race. Yeah, because it's Definitely. like you know, change it up. Mm-hmm. I the I was in the middle of the desert, and I got a phone call to come back to New York. You know, on a road trip, and I just drove nine hours to the nearest airport and left my car in Texas for three months, <laughs> so I could take, so I could get the role, and I got the role. What uh, was that? I was for the blacklist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's rent. You know, it's two months of rent. Were you working with and James Spader? My, yeah, and he's amazing. Tell me about that. Photographic memory. He's wow. got a photographic memory. <laughs> talk about memorization. I saw him take a... I've always wanted to talk like James Spader, but like at every moment. He's, well, apparently he's got like one of the highest IQs in, in Hollywood, which is weird because I, you know, like you say Hollywood, but like I'm not in Hollywood. Sure. But James Spader is in Hollywood, you uh-huh. know? <laughs> James Spader is amazing. You know, I, I, I think of him also like the same vein as Alec Baldwin is like, they were studs. Then they were like, fuck it. This doesn't matter. Like my talent exceeds what I look like. And they were just like, now they're regular dudes. They got bellies. They're, they're exactly who they are. And we love them. 
we love them. Yeah, it's like, transcendent. Uh, totally, beyond, totally beyond transcendent. The, the whole physique thing, you know. Um, and he's he's. I saw him take a full page. Mon- you know, he was he was the showrunner essentially at the time that I was working with. Oh, him. you know, like he was running the show. Mm-hmm. He was say, he was the guy that everybody asked. I mean, he wasn't the actual showrunner, but sure. you know, he was the EP and. He was the lead, and his costume cost the most. And <laughs> uh, he had the best trailer, and you know, um, he was to himself and professional, and but kind when it when he needed to be, and uh, I really appreciated that. Um, but he took a page that was freshly written, and he looked at it, and he handed it to a PA, and he knew it. Wow! And it was like Goals. I couldn't believe it, you know, and that character. You know, it's it's a it's a goofy show, but that character is like you know super intelligent, super villain, and like knows it has an insane vocabulary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that I I would have like to work probably you know thirty six hours on something like that. But that's just me. <laughs> wow. Where are you off to today? I'll go back home, and uh, I'm actually going to go watch some Bonnie Youth baseball with my partner in Dimmis Park, and some what. Uh, you know, like, it's like older than little league, but not college. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll probably have some ice cream. And <laughs> Wait, why are you watching? Just for fun? Yeah, just for fun. Okay, yeah. Yeah. just take a walk to the On park. Silly. Or you just go down to the park and watch it. Yeah, yeah. Is That's that a normal uh, Sunday afternoon? Yeah. Activity? She mentioned it before I left, and uh, you know, whatever she says goes. So <laughs> That's a good partnership there. No, yeah. it is. It is an amazing partnership, and I, I will say, like growing up with someone. You know, I, thankfully we didn't. We haven't dated since when we first knew it's each other. It's not Corey and Topanga. Yeah, it up. We, we've had lives, you know, um, but uh, we really do think alike. It's totally nuts because we have the same foundational education. Mm. You know, it's like I'm thinking something, and she'll be like, "Oh, so how is that thing you're thinking about?" And I'm <laughs> like, "Oh my god, how do you know?" But uh, it's you know, it's because we were trained the same way. Mm. Interesting. Thanks for coming out here. Staten Thanks for Island. having me. Yeah, Staten Island is beautiful. The the tree pone is glorious. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy to think about because when I left, there was no leaves on the trees. It's wild, dude. And back and bam. And what a, what a difference it makes, right? Right. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks, See you. Thanks for having me.